So it's always a privilege to come before you um, and speak from the pulpit. And uh, especially at this time where last week we just consecrated ourselves to the Lord and we've got a week of prayer and fasting coming up. Uh, this week what we're going to do is we're just going to take a little bit of an inward reflection and um, hopefully be convicted by the Spirit and lifted up by the Spirit to see where we may focus our prayers in the coming week. So, title of my message is, is, You Are What You Fruit. And throughout my life, I've had many fruit-producing trees, bushes, vines in my backyard. I've had apple trees, uh, pear trees, fig trees, plum trees, peach trees, kiwi trees, cherry trees, grapevines, blackberry bushes, raspberry bushes, blueberries, and more. And if it grows in this climate, there's a good chance that I've probably had it in a yard at some point. And one thing that I've learned about fruit-bearing trees and plants is that you always know what kind of fruit you're going to get. A peach tree produces peaches, and an apple tree produces apples, and a plum tree produces plums. It's their natural output. Right? The apple tree doesn't strain with effort to produce an apple instead of an orange. No, it's baked into its essence. That's what it makes, right? Well, the Bible tells us that it's the same with the human heart. Mark 7, 21 to 22 reads, For it's from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Similarly, as we just heard in Galatians, Paul describes the heart or flesh this way. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now what the gospel and epistle writers are getting at here is the idea that since the introduction of sin into the world in Genesis 3.3, our hearts have been completely keyed into actions and desires that are contrary to the ways of God. We don't even have to think about it. It's the baked-in natural fruit of the heart. And this fruit is super abundant. Notice the use of and the like at the end of Paul's list in Galatians. It signifies that he's not giving us an exhaustive index this isn't some graded scale of sinful behaviors and desires. Rather, it's just the tip of the iceberg. And we like to think that we're different now than people were back then, right? We're kinder, we're gentler, more loving. We call out greed and murder. We say, help others before yourself. We're better. But then we look around, and we still see the wars. We see the lack of patience and dialogue, the closed-mind attitude of, you need to listen to me, but don't ever try to make me listen to you. We see the endless pursuit of material gain, 
and we glorify these things. We delight in them. We're entertained by them. Anybody here watch reality TV? Millions of viewers tune in just to see people treat each other poorly, stab each other in the back, use lust to gain power, betray their word, make and break oaths, base relationships on sex, speak ill of each other to win monetary prizes. And we eat it up. We live vicariously through it. And here's the kicker. We justify it, both as viewers and contestants, because we're told the winnings will be put to good use and purpose. You know, they'll be put to help families and friends. They'll be donated to worthwhile causes. The winners will find love. The ends justify the means, is what we're told implicitly. And this sounds suspiciously like what Paul was warning about in Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Now, I like watching Survivor as much as the next person, but i got to be honest, I'm wondering what kind of messaging I'm feeding my heart and soul without even realizing it. You know what one of my boys told me once? He came up to me and he said, Dad, I'd be really good at Survivor. I was like, well, why is that? He said, because I'm really good at lying. <laughs> Ouch, right? We're all susceptible. What Paul is warning about here is not to view your salvation and adoption into the family of God as a get-out-of-jail pass. You can't just do anything you want because you said a prayer once and said, I'm sorry, Jesus. That's expecting to get good from bad, and it's dangerous. Matthew 7, 15 to 19 says, Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Paul gives a similar warning in Galatians 5.21. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the clear implication from both Matthew and Paul is to be new creations. To accept Jesus is to accept transformation. R. Alan Cole puts it this way in his Galatians commentary. He says, Paul has said that we cannot by doing inherit the kingdom of God, that is, win entrance to it. Christ is the door, and such a door opens only to faith. Yet he, meaning Paul, strongly asserts here that by doing, we can bar ourselves from the kingdom. Paul's whole point is that they which do such things thereby show themselves to be without the transforming gift of faith. Don't get me wrong here. We all fall short of the glory of God. And we're all tempted. And we all need to confess and repent. And God in his grace and mercy will always accept that. 
But what I'm talking about here is a willful disregard for the work that Christ completed on the cross. You can't just keep living your old life and tack Jesus onto it. It doesn't work. Jesus tells them this, and he tells us this himself in Luke 5, 37-38. It says, No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. If we just try to add Jesus to our existing life in the absence of transformation, the old, brittle, inflexible wineskins of our lives will burst and the new wine, the good news of the kingdom of God, will be lost. We must be created anew. We must have a renewal of the heart. We must cultivate different fruit. So how do you go about changing something that's seemingly impossible to change? How do you change something that's hardwired to pull you away from God? If we go back to our tree metaphor, how do you change the fruit of the apple tree? I'm going to put a picture up here. This is a fruit salad tree. It's called this because branches from several different trees are expertly grafted to a single healthy trunk. And this trunk then provides the life source for the branches, which would die otherwise. And with the proper cultivation and care for this single tree, this single trunk, it can and will harmoniously produce up to seven different fruits. It's the only way you would expect a fruit tree to grow anything else than its natural fruit. The intervention of an outside force that has the power to change the very deepest building blocks of the tree. And it's like the fruit tree. The transformation that we need is only possible through the intervention of one with the power to change the unchangeable. And in his grace, God has provided this for us through Jesus Christ and the indwelling and then filling of the Holy Spirit. Paul speaks in Romans about the Gentiles being grafted into the family of God and who now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. And if the root is holy, then so are the branches. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's only by consciously seeking the kingdom of God, by abiding in Jesus, consecrating ourselves to him like we did last week, and by surrendering and living by the Holy Spirit that we can expect our hearts to be changed. The Holy Spirit must reign in you, not just reside in you. We must present ourselves as living sacrifices, giving up and submitting all we have and had to live a surrendered life. So how do we know if we're doing that? Living in the Spirit, abiding in the vine. What are the signs, right? 
Because a sign is indicational, it's directional. A sign points you to and tells you about something else. If you want to come to the church, do you go and stand by the sign in the parking lot? No, of course not. The sign shows you where to go. It tells you what you'll find in here. It says, come to Oceanside. We're a place of community, a place to seek and know God. In the same way, the fruit in our lives, the fruit that's being produced will point to our underlying nature. The fruit is the sign. Galatians 5, and 24 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The presence of the fruit of the Spirit indicates that something else is happening in our lives. Something new and something different. It's a love for God and the things of God, for all those around us, easy to love, or the so-called unlovable. Love through forgiveness for those who have wronged or hurt us. A deep joy and abiding peace that endures through all trouble and strife, strife because through Jesus our iniquities have been canceled. A patience that understands that not all will come in our timing but in God's perfect timing. Patience and kindness in our interactions with others, where our tongues speak life and not death. Goodness, love in action, being the hands and feet of Christ, getting right in the action to spread good amongst the people. Faithfulness, being dependable, steadfast, trustworthy, true to our word as God has been faithful to us. Gentleness, a humble character that operates with humility. We're not those who aggressively push ourselves to the forefront, beating each other into submission with our words. Rather, we speak truth in love, with care, with understanding, and kindness. And of course, self-control. We must acknowledge that living a transformed life is not easy, and we must remain vigilant. In the same way that we must consciously make sure that we don't forsake the freedom we've been granted by Jesus, we cannot get complacent. There will be a constant battle between our sinful natures, or the ways of the world, and the ways of the kingdom. Paul says this in Romans 7, 18-19, For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Be vigilant. Grow in your faith. Fill the rooms of your heart with holy things so you may be effective and productive in the knowledge of God. It's just like Peter says. 2 Peter, 2 Peter 1 3 through 9, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him and who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. 
For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith and good, to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever, who does, whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of a Spirit-transformed life. And remember, this is a holistic, unified fruit, right? Because in Scripture, the Greek word that Paul uses is in the singular. It's a single fruit with many qualities. We don't just get to pick the ones we like. And like any tree or plant, we must constantly cultivate and tend to produce a good crop. John 15, 4, remain in me. As I also remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. So remain in Jesus. Seek Jesus. Soak yourself in the word daily. This is the good soil into which you want to put roots. Surround yourself with other believers, those who can speak life to you rather than death which is spoken by the world. Show goodness to others. Submit everything to God in prayer so you may live his peace. Follow his commands. John 15, 9-10, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And here's one more you might not think of. Share those signs with others. Not in a boastful, self-serving way. We don't want to get tripped up in thinking that projecting outward signs is the key to everything. We're talking about the heart, after all. But we do want to be the lamp on a stand. By your life, show people the light. Point them to God. And it's not just a suggestion from me. It's a directive from Jesus. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's Matthew 5, 14 to 15. Kindly and gently sharing your faith and the goodness of God with others and seeing them come to salvation is an excellent way to not only be encouraged in the knowledge and power of the Holy Spirit, but also a way to love others in the way that he has loved you. And this is glorifying to God. Now, I know I've touched on things all over the map this morning. But here's my prayer for you. My prayer is that the Lord takes this humble offering and uses it by his will to speak to you personally, meeting you where you're at, gently convicting 
where there's the need and affirming where there's abundance. May you yield the fruit of God, empowered and fed by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your lives. May he protect you from all unrighteousness, nurture you in perseverance, and share his wisdom with you so that you may delight in him and rest in him. Through meditation on his word, may he open your eyes to his glory. And may he reign in your lives with mercy and grace. We offer this in Jesus' name. Amen.